far, so good. Okay, so you're doing good? You ready to go? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to start, and then we'll just go from there. Hello everybody, this is Michael Coulomb with Mimosas with Michael, and I have a very amazing and special guest, uh, Sally Kirkland. Um, I feel like you don't need an introduction, but I think we should just do it anyways. Um, you basically have won so many awards and been in so many movies, and you've had this awesome, amazing life. So I think this is going to be one of the best podcasts I've done in a long time. I'm oh, really excited. Thank you. I'm excited about that. Um, <clears throat> I've been wanting to have you on the show for a little while now. We're able to solidify a time. Yeah. And, um, and we have you in on the phone today because uh, you are at home relaxing. Right. So, um, is there, before we start, I mean, do you want me to just ask you questions? Do you just want to talk? I mean, I... Um, yeah, ask me some questions. Well, you've had such an amazing life, and we can kind of start back from the beginning of, of your life. I was, um, what I know about you and some of the research I've done is um, I loved that your father was my mother, my mother. Oh, your mother was the editor of Vogue. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm so sorry I got that wrong. I'm already okay. off to a bit. I'm off to a bad start. I'm sorry. Do you want to start over? No, no, no. <laughs> I love I love the organic the organicness of it. But your okay. mother your mother was the editor of Vogue. And she had the same name as me, Sally Kirkland. That is awesome. I was Sally Kirkland Junior. See that's not something that, you hear about often. Especially in I women. know. I know. Um she was editor of Vogue in the middle late 40s and editor of Life magazine back in its heyday in wow. the 50s and the 60s. So basically, I think she had something like 30, 35 years of being a fashion editor and senior editor of Life. So you must have just had an, uh, a, an awesome childhood of just stories. I'm sure you could just tell in one whole podcast just by itself. Yeah, it was great. I would wake up in the mornings and go for breakfast, and there would be every top model in the world would be in the kitchen getting coffee. Oh. And I would get so, uh, what's the word, um, discouraged because they were so beautiful and skinny that I would go back to bed. <laughs> oh, but, but, but you were a model, right? Well, as a child, yeah, I was a child model. That's true. Child model. And I, and I saw that you... I do have to ask this because I, I found this quite interesting, but you had modeled for Andy Warhol? Not modeled. I acted for him. Oh, even better. What was that like? Well, I mean, I just want to know what he was like as a person. Well, Andy was very shy and um, a total observer of people. He, he liked to just watch people and, as you know, film them and write about them. And, yeah. Um, he wasn't that talkative. You know, he was very much an observer. I don't know how else to say it. And um, my mother, he had a crush on my mother when she was at Life. And uh, Oh, that's awesome. This was in the 60s, around 1964. And um, my mother gave him his first publicity. Uh, he was doing shoes and whatnot, storefronts on Fifth Avenue. And, mm -hmm. and uh, 
they had Campbell's hoop can in the background and then all the shoes in the foreground. And she did a story on him in Life magazine, and that was his first publicity. Wow. And he always adored her. So, the, um, of course, the moment would come when she would introduce me to him. And, uh, and at some point, he took me to lunch, and he said, can I interview you, and can I photograph you? And I'd been completely out of my mind, stupid, said, um, oh, no, that's okay. I'm an overground actor. I'm not an underground actor. Huh. So well. I was being a snob about it. I was thinking that, you know, little did I know that Andy Warhol would become Andy Warhol. Yeah. Um, this was early on. Um, but eventually we did do this thing called 13 Most Beautiful Women. Wow. And I don't know if you recognize the names. There were people like Edie Sedgwick, Mary Warnoff, um, uh, Nico. Uh, anyway, why, why should you? You're too young. <laughs> but he had 13 women, and he, he asked me to just sit in the chair and not move and not talk, and he put the stationary camera there. And he said, I'm going to go out for five minutes, and I just want you to look in the camera. And oh, I was wow. so frustrated because I was a actor studio Lee Strasberg student who could act up a storm, and I was being told, don't move, you know. So I arranged it so that a tear came out of my eye, uh, which was my way of getting back at him, and, you know, not moving but still acting. Yeah. Oh, that's a brilliant story. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And I think he did 13 Most Beautiful Men, and Dennis Hopper did one, and he did something similar, tearing up, you know. But Andy gave me my first publicity for Anna, the movie for which I got nominated for the Oscar and won the Golden Globe and the Independent Spirit Award and L.A. Film Critics Award. And um, I called him up and I said, you know, we have no budget for this film for for, um, promotion and advertising. And could you put me and Paulina Porzkova on your um, television show, which was a new show he had. I don't remember the name of it. I, I don't know if it was on uh, MTV, something like that. But it was sort of like everyone's a star for 15 minutes. Okay. And, um, and he said, normally I interview people, but I'm so intimidated by you and Paulina Porzkova, I'd rather have you interview each other, and then I will walk through... <laughs> wow. And that that was um, after he had been shot by, uh, I don't know what her name was, Bridget, one of, one of the underground actors, yeah. the factory actors. And uh, so he had been at the hospital and had his whole uh, chest and stomach scarred, sewn up. And he actually died that year in 1987, I believe. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So I saw him not that long before he died, and I was aware of how um, sort of spiritual he had become, you know, dealing with the near-death experience. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that changes you. Uh, Yeah, without a doubt. So um, I was forever grateful for Andy for putting us on the map with promotion and publicity, and, uh, and I was proud to be one of the 13 most beautiful women. Wow, that's exciting. That's so... My mom would go with him to Studio 54 all the time. (laughs) Right? That's cool. So you never went to Studio 54? Yeah, I did, but not with Andy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's something different. 
the two of them would do it. Wow. And and uh, what about your father? Um, my father was not in uh, the fashion or the film business. He he worked at something called Manufacturers Appraisal Company. Okay. But he he had a a very interesting background. His his mother, my grandmother, was the daughter of the top judge in Philadelphia and the granddaughter of the mayor, Mayor Morton McMichael. Oh, interesting. Philadelphia. And so there was a street, um, well, there was a statue, and there's a place in New Jersey called Frenchtown. Yeah. And that was based on, um, uh, oh, I wish I could remember the name to tell you, but Louis Mallet Prevost, something like that. Louis Mallet Prevost was my grandmother's ancestor during the French Revolution, and he brought his family from Switzerland to France to America to avoid all of the war. Yeah. And um, he had many, many people working for him. He, he bought up all the land, and uh, they didn't know how to speak French, so they called him the Frenchman. So it was called Frenchtown, New Jersey. Oh, so cool. That was, that was her ancestor. And then um, my father married, I mean, my grandfather married into her, family and uh, for a long time I don't know if it's still there he he uh, was famous for having libraries of the first edition letters of presidents and whatnot like Abe Lincoln and uh, you name it presidents and yeah. Jackson etc and they they had the um, the building where all of these extraordinary memorabilia was Okay. on a street which they named Kirkland, Kirkland Street in Philadelphia. So that was my father's family. He was in the social register, so I had to get in the social register. So he wanted me to be a debutante, so I became a debutante at the age of 17, 18. Came out, that's the expression they use, I came out at the Waldorf Astoria as a debutante. Wow. That's, so, that's fascinating right there. Yeah. You've, kind of, you've kind of just been in the spotlight your whole life, then, it seems like, in a, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. But my mother, um, being fashion editor of Vogue and Life, um, always liked to put me in front of the camera or have her fashion editor friends put me in front of the camera for different magazines. There's one I have on the wall where I was, I think I was five, and I was in Vogue magazine, and I was photographed by Irving Penn, who's one of the most historically famous uh, photographers ever. And um, she would have me going down the runway with young Carol Dunley and young Tuesday Weld. And Do you know those names? I do not. I'm sure my listeners will, but I do not. Maybe not. I mean, we're talking the uh, late 40s, 50s. Um, yeah. And we were all kid models. And then they went on to become actors. Yeah. And I did too. Um, and she would introduce me to people like Chanel and Christian Dior. And I was kind of insecure because she had the same name I had. So I decided I was going to be a famous painter or a famous uh, designer. And um, I did these designs and I gave them to her to give to Christian Dior. And he wrote me a letter saying, you're very talented, Sally. Don't ever give up your art. Wow. Which is pretty great from Christian Dior. 
And she did things like she was friends with Picasso, and she would persuade Picasso to paint a dress. And then she would do a whole story in Life magazine with Picasso standing there and Patina the model and Mark Shaw the photographer, who was Kennedy's favorite photographer, and my mom. And I have that on the wall, too. I figure I don't know many people who are friends with Picasso. Yeah, yeah. I can't say that at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not friends friends with a lot of great people like you. I mean, I think you're awesome, and we're friends, so. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Um, so you so you grew up in New York, right? Because I remember you yeah. said. But then, so then what got you to Los Angeles? The Sting and the Way We Were. Two great movies, which I, I love. You're a fan of Barbara Streisand. I, I uh, got a role in, in The Way We Were of playing Pony Dunbar, yeah. who was her best friend. And um, my big scene that I was hired for ended up being cut, but there's two or three scenes on there were telephone operators at the, not the communist headquarters, but the, whatever it was, she was being a socialist. Yeah. And and then we're walking down the street together. No, that one was cut. We're passing out leaflets to all the meetings of the socialists and whatnot. Oh, yeah, and, I saw it, yeah. And uh, anyway, I got to know her, and she then put me in uh, A Star is Born, which also got cut. But you can see me for a moment being the Rolling Stone photographer when she becomes a star and we photograph her. Do you, get a, do you still talk to her? I haven't talked to her in a while, but she sent a woman to me to interview me for her book she's writing. Wow. Um, and she was particularly proud of a time when um, I played the nurse to her Juliet in Romeo and Juliet on stage yeah. at the Actors Studio for Lee Strasberg. And he, being the most famous acting teacher in the world, said that she was his favorite Juliet. And she just, that blew her mind. So she always wanted to talk about that. I think she talked about it in her Playboy interview. And now she'll talk about it again in her book, in theory. Um, and I went to her house in Carrollwood. And that, I mean, she was in Malibu, but she has a place, had a place in Bel Air. And yeah. um, being a brat, she played Juliet like a brat. She pulled me in the swimming pool with all my clothes on. Oh, and oh no. Faced me around the house. and she, I mean, she was a, a great Juliet. She really took it to heart. And when we did it on the studio, she took my hands and dragged me around the stage. Um, she, was, she was just really incredible. Um, and uh, I remember she used to take me to cheese stores because she loved cheese so much. So we'd have to get the best cheese in West Hollywood or whatnot. Well, I love cheese. Well, so my my mother is a huge Barbara Streisand fan. That's where I found my love for her. So I grew up watching her movies and, and listening to all of her music. Um, and so just when I saw that you you were with her, I was like, oh, it's just so awesome. And I, I learned to respect that because of my mother. You know, um, uh-huh. my father loved um, loves like old westerns, but my mother loves. Uh, love musicals and Barbra Streisand. So I got an interesting eclectic taste from my family in that sense. How did you get into horror? Um, so my cousin and I, my cousin is like obsessed with horror. And it's funny because I think most people think all I do is horror, but I actually want to do more than that. Um, because I actually had a play produced about five years ago that um, a drama with all Latino characters. So it just follows like uh-huh. an older uh a lot Latin woman, but I did horror because um, 
the house I grew up in was haunted. I, I've said this for years, and uh, for years my family tried to deny and it. But how did you, how did you prove that it was haunted? Uh, I never I never proved it. I just remember like we moved away is in Orange County, and we moved away from it when we were kids. And so I think for years I just thought it was something I had made up. And then I remember my my sister called me years later, and she had like at that time we did three-way calling so she had three-way called her old neighbor and she was just telling us how yeah she's like yeah weird things used to happen and we grew up being campers so we would every weekend like every once a month for a weekend we'd go camping i guess while we were gone uh lights would go on and off at the house really yeah. i did a movie called the haunted that yeah. won me a golden globe nomination and that's what happened in our house the neighbors would see the lights going on and off and we wouldn't be there and I'd walk up with the kids to the house, and the neighbors would run over and say, oh, my God, are you all right, everything, and they would describe what was going on while I was gone. So it's interesting you bring that up. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movie roles. You you all can see it on YouTube. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. The Haunted, yeah. I just love doing that part. So um, I kind of had this interesting affini- uh, affinity for ghost stories, but then uh-huh. at the same time, my cousin is like this massive a horror fan and he just would like when we were kids we he just always make me watch horror movies and because my my family likes to take road trips a lot they got um uh like a VHS a VHS video camera uh-huh and so what my parents thought was going to be for road trips my cousin and I would make movies and we would always make horror movies in the backyard as i think a lot of filmmakers do they just make little weird horror movies in the back and so it kind of was always there and then just as I got older, it nurtured. And then I started meeting more people from horror, and it just kind of grew. So, I, I mean, I'm not, I tell people I'm new to horror, although I love it. Like, my writing partner, Brantley, like, and my cousin, you can they just know the most obscure, random things about horror I wouldn't even think about. I, we go to all these conventions all the time, and they'll run into somebody, I, and Brantley will just stop and go, oh, this is this guy, and he was in this movie. And I was just like, it's like he's like a Rolodex of just random horror effects so it's just right. it's just a part of my life and i i do love the sort of i i like horror because um i like finding ways to scare people but i i'm big on like serial killers and ghosts and stuff i'm not really big on like torture like i don't like that stuff right but i i do like the suspense and the and the thrill so i that, well, I love Love Me Not. Is that what it's called, Love Me Not? Love Me Not is our new one, yeah. We wanted to do something. I love that. Oh, well, and I thank loved, you. Uh, uh, what's Soundbite. the other one? Soundbite. Soundbite, yeah. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. what was interesting about Soundbite, which um, I did not get a chance to tell you when we talked, is that there's no dialogue. And Soundbite, when we shot the movie, we didn't have a sound guy. So when we got into post-production, the entire movie, the sound was all done in post. Really? Yeah, but by this young, um, I want to say he's 25, a young, uh, he's like a little brother to me, Nico. He, um, uh-huh. He's an editor and sound designer, and he, I was like, he goes, you didn't record any sound? I was like, no, because there's no dialogue. So he, we built it all in post-production, which we would have had to do anyways because we had to design the song. Right. So the song that she listens to is called Death Song, and that's something we wanted to turn into a feature. So. Yeah, you told me that. That's great. Yeah. So it's going to happen. Yeah. And then you could come to the premiere. Or be in it. Or you could be in it. I like that even better. <laughs> Let's do that. We'll have to, we'll have to make a, a role specifically for Sally Kirkland. What kind of character do you want to play? 
Uh, someone who tears down the scenery. Okay, I like <laughs> I like that answer. We'll we'll do it. Okay. Hey, hey Brantley, my writing partner, Brantley, if you're listening to this, we have to make an awesome scene for <laughs> role, not just a scene, a role for for Sally Kirkland. Right on. So we can get you another award. See, see the haunted first. Yeah, I'm going to actually because I love horror movies. So. Yeah. But you've done so many roles. I mean, you're so iconic. I don't know if I could write something different that you haven't done. Well, that's okay. I like I like doing similar things. I love emotional things. I do love that um, that you're still working. Like you know, like you know, it's like you've always been finding ways to stay relevant, um, which I think is so important. You know. Thank you. Like it's a lot like like how I look at like Betty White. Like a lot of people don't realize when she was younger, she's done Broadway, she did all these things. And then yeah. a lot of people my age just know her from like Golden Girls. You yeah. Know? But she had this whole prolific career before. But even my nephews that are in like in their teens and their early twenties know who she is. Like she's been always been she's had this such amazing career. She's prolific. People know who she is. So I love that you've been able to do that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very no, much. I mean and I love that you took the time to be on my little my little podcast here. But I always yeah. have fun talking to cool people. You're um, a friend of my close friend, Matt Chasen. Matt Chasen is my manager. I love him dearly. Yeah. Yeah. So, he told so, me he knew you, and I got so excited because I was trying to get you on the show, and then he goes, oh, I'm just having lunch, lunch with Sally. her. Yeah, and I was like, oh, Matt, I need to have lunch with her, so we need to have lunch soon. Well, you can take me to lunch at Marco's. I, I, I do hear that you like Marco's. Yeah. All right. Love well, Marco's. We're going to make it happen. And then we'll have mimosas in real life. Yeah. That'll be, uh, what, what is mimosa? Is that a drink? Yes. It's champagne and orange juice. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right. It's the most simplest basic of drinks. But, they, um, they actually serve that at Marco's. Well, we should have mimosas with Michael at Marco's. There's a little alliteration for you. Yeah, Michael it's, at Marco's. Exactly. Um, so what was it like being at the Oscars? Because I haven't been, although I did work on a on a film that won – an that's Oscar. one. That's so exciting. Yeah. So I, that's the closest I've been, but you have been there, and I want to know what it was like for you. What was that experience? Because, you know, what if, I, what if I'm in the future, I'm actually there and I win one for, like, best director yeah. or writer? I that's want to know what to expect. Like that. Yeah. Well, um, at the time, I was on the short list at William Morris and had a lot of publicity going with this movie that I got nominated for, Anna. Yes. And um, so I was, at the time, highly recognizable. So there'd be all these fans in the stands screaming, Sally, Sally, Sally. Oh. It was so cool. And then I'd come in and pose for all the photographers, paparazzi. And, yep. uh, and you and looked the, stunning, by the way. I, I, well, I saw you. that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And then um, they'd have all these electronic press people lined up. I'd go from one to the other to the other. Um, and then they'd say, what does it feel like to be here, just like you did? And I'd say, I'm out of my body, you know. Yeah. I'm in ecstasy. I'm in total bliss. Um, it was so exciting. And all the all the fans screaming and uh, whirling around in your dress and, you know, just being super, super excited. Um I think I sat in the first or second row, and um, I remember Jack Nicholson came. My mother was with me and the director, Yurik Bogaevich, and 
I can spell that for you if you want. Yeah, well, um, I can look it up. But yeah, and um, John Roger, my spiritual teacher of 47 years, mm -hmm. and uh, I remember that Jack Nicholson came over with his dark glasses on and said to my mother, who also had dark glasses on, "I just wanted to meet the mother of Sally Kirkland." Yeah. Oh. He said, he said something about my brilliant acting and. He's one of the first people to tell me that I was good with a film called Coming Apart. I did with Rip Torn and Vivica Linford's back in 1968-69. And so I was really excited that, that my mom was meeting Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And um, I sat there and I had won the Golden Globe and won the L.A. Film Critics Award and won the Independent Spirit Award. So the people who bet in Las Vegas were betting on me. And there was actually a, a buzz, a rumor that, that I would win. And oh. I, of course, didn't think that was possible because Meryl Streep was up, Holly Hunter was up, Glenn Close was up, and Cher was up. So it was one of the years at the Oscars where it was really heavy-duty competition. Yeah. And, those, are some um, those are some heavy hitters there. Heavy hitters. And, of course, I was very grateful to be in with them. Um and I think that my heart stopped for a while while they were getting ready to read the name. I think it was um, Bob, no, it was um, Paul Newman, maybe? Paul Newman. Okay. Um, and I knew Paul Newman from The Sting. Yeah, yeah. Which I'd done with, with he and Robert Redford. And um, anyway, when he announced all my name and the, the camera was on me and whatnot, I was just like so... I just, all I can say was out of my body. I just, you know, wasn't breathing. I was just so excited. And then he said, share. And you can see on the little clip that they maintained over the years that my face went through a couple of changes. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so weird that they stay on your guys' faces, too, because you have to, like, take the news without looking. Right. You're like, oh, right. so angry. So you see me go from a completely hopeful look to kind of a, a weird look and then a happy look. Oh. Did you see it? Uh, I have not. I'm sorry. I was going to look before, but um, I just like the organicness sometimes of just talking to people because when I find when I find out things about you, it feels like I feel like I'm finding out with the audience. So it makes uh -huh. it feel so organic and new. Because uh, I did want to ask you who won that year. I was going to look it up. And, and tell okay. you, but I wanted to, to, because I think the emotion I got from you is more real. You yeah, know? well, Cher won, and Cher was a friend of mine, so on the one hand, I was more jealous of her than I've been of anyone in my life. Uh, and on the other hand, I was excited for her because she was my friend. Yeah, exactly. And um, so it was kind of an amazing experience. And I'm trying to remember now which movie she won for. You're, is it, uh, was it Moonstruck, right? Moonstruck, yeah. It was. But a lot of people feel she won for Mask, which she did the year before. Yeah. Um, that it was like Academy members felt bad that they didn't give her the Oscar the year before. Yeah. And so she she did great in Moonstruck, don't get me wrong. But it was like the two movies together, I think. Yeah, you're like, well, I just remember, I remember it being Moonstruck because I actually uh, know Olympia Dukakis. I did a movie with her years ago. You, did you direct her? No, no, I've never directed her, but um, I just, I work because I do a lot as a script supervisor, and right. we, 
worked on a project together, and we just kept in touch over the years. Uh-huh. In fact, she was actually uh, one of the people that was instrumental of when I did my play. She was the very first person to ever give me any feedback. Oh, wow. Which I was so honored for. <clears throat> and then years later, I, I did a movie a couple years later in New York, and we ended up having coffee together. And then um, she came out here to New York. She came out here to LA to do a play, and I ran into her again, and I was able to introduce her to my mother. But um, I remember she won. Great, she's so talented. Oh, she's probably one of the nicest people. I'm I'm so grateful to her. She's been very instrumental in a lot of things, um, and I'm I'm blessed that I got to meet her and call her a friend. And I do know she won for for Moonstruck. I believe right. she won for Best Supporting Actress. Right. Playing her mom. So I didn't, wasn't aware that shared one for the same movie, but it does make sense because I believe it came out that same year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, 1987. 1987. I was... 87. Um, Were you born? I was born. I was born in 75. So I was about okay. a, probably 11, 11 or 12. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. I'm 75. <laughs> so I'm 44. I just turned 44 last week. Happy birthday, Michael. Thank you. I think you actually posted... I think you posted happy birthday on my Facebook page, so thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... You are so unbelievably kind. I, we've had some great conversations online. I would love the to have the honor of actually having mimosas with you in person and just talking. You just have sure. fascinating we stories. Have to, we don't have to end now. No, I'm, we can talk all, all, all you want. I just um, The show's 30 minutes. Um, oh, the show is 30 minutes. Okay. I, do, I do 30 minutes just because I, that way the, um, the audience can get a little tidbit and then uh, do their own. Um, but I can always call you back and talk. I just know oh, that you can. Yeah, I just know that you're relaxing at home, and I wanted to just take a few moments out of your day to just um, talk with you and find out about you know more about who Sally Kirkland is. Well, let's hang up and you call me back. <laughs> I certainly will. Let me just close up the show real quick. Um, thank okay. you, thank you so much, Sally, for being on the you, show. You, thank you for having me, Michael. Do you have my number? I do. I will call you right back, and we'll talk. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, everybody. This is. Michael Colomb with Mimosas with Michael. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening and supporting the show over the last year and a half. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, Lofty Craft TV. Uh, we're now available on comingupnext.org, Spotify, Anchor. I mean, we're everywhere. And also um, mimosaswithmichael.com. Thank you so much.